What's going on, guys? And welcome to the Triple H Podcast. Happy Hour Hoops, your one-stop shop for enjoying a cold beverage and listening to our ice-cold basketball takes. We got you covered on everything NBA all the time. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Happy Hour Hoops 1 on all social media platforms. Subscribe to this podcast on Spotify and Apple. Leave a review on Apple. Give us five stars, please, and thank you. Five stars only. And uh, <laughs> don't forget to just share it with your friends and uh, keep up the support. As we're into the off season here, we're going to keep coming at you with uh, stuff every week still, hopefully, um, throughout the very the probably pretty short off season, which we'll get to uh in a little bit in this podcast for sure but it doesn't seem like we're going to be going without games for too long but before we get to any thing of next season we want to take uh want to take this episode to go back through the bubble and uh just kind of recap it and give our favorite moments and favorite just favorite everything from the bubble teams most impressive teams most disappointing teams favorite things that happened in the bubble and just everything in between because it's i mean it was literally like we're never going to see anything like that again just no. in in our lifetime at all. Not just in basketball history, but in sports history in general. Like that was just such a bizarre, unique, interesting, cool, new thing that, you know, the NBA really shined for and they should be applauded for because of how well it went also. But yeah, um, jumping right into our top five favorite things, I will start. Uh these are really in no particular order for me, but um, definitely Deuce Tatum, Jason Tatum's son. Deuce arriving in the bubble was probably one of the cutest things that you'll ever see, whether it's, you know, him walking down the the hallway with Brad Stevens or his, or his dad, Jason Tatum, or him sitting on the sidelines of the games with a, uh, his own custom homemade sign. You know, rooting for his dad, Jason Tatum, watching his dad light it up on the court. As a Celtics fan, obviously, I love to see that. But also, I just think anyone who has a heart or <laughs> is uh, a basketball fan or likes things that are cute would appreciate Deuce Tatum. And Brad Stevens even said that, like, through, like, the two months that they were there or whatever, up until a certain point, I don't know if he had a favorite thing that happened after this, but he said his walk with deuce after practice one day was his favorite thing that had happened to him in the bubble so deuce had a uh bubble wide impact and he was one of my favorite things that happened my second thing is uh marcus smart's game two in the eastern conference semifinals hit five threes that game smart was looking uh looking like steph curry a bit out there (laughs) 16 in the fourth quarter of that game and helped the Celts secure a dub uh, my third favorite thing is Damian Lillard's hot streak, and that is a loaded uh, bullet point there. But I mean, it was just something that I don't think will ever be forgotten. Something that is probably underappreciated because the Trailblazers didn't make the playoffs, so we couldn't really see Dame keep that hot streak going um, much longer. But yeah, just the way he played, and specifically that that high scoring I believe it was an overtime game against Dallas where he just you know he was hitting shots that hit the back of the room back of the rim that launched like 10 feet into the air and came back down in I mean he was really just on a roll uh most of the bubble while he was there but yeah damn damn time was real in Orlando fourth thing Rondo winning his second title 
I'm sure now that I've gone to my fourth thing, you guys can tell that I'm a huge Celtics fan. <laughs> um, Rondo being one of my favorite players from his Celtics days, uh, just seeing a, a great point guard like that, such a unique basketball mind. One of my favorite players getting his second title. That meant a lot to me. And then my last thing is something that me and Jake kind of share in common here. My whole bullet point is that the the emergence of the Miami Heat in general was something amazing to watch. Um, a unique group filled with vets, young shooters, and just young playmakers, and then a dog in Jimmy Butler. It was it was really impressive to see what they were able to do and and fun to watch that team. As heartbreaking as that sounds, because they uh, beat up on my Celtics, but and uh, yeah, J- Jake shares this similar bullet point because uh, Jim Jam himself, Mister Jimmy Butler. So I'll let Jake start his top five favorite things now. Yeah, so I want to hop on your Dame Lillard hot streak real quick before I get into mine because I think we need to we just need to appreciate how crazy we were all going for Damian Lillard and they ended up yeah. getting like losing in five and getting knocked right out of the playoffs but yeah that just even that the elimination game against the Grizzlies but everything leading up to it it was the biggest thing in basketball like by far we were ready to anoint Dame like best player in the league like he was just playing out of his mind the Clippers game like we'll no we'll never forget the karma that the Clippers put on them for booing Dame oh at the God. line after he missed that like it was just it's insane. Just one of the things only the bubble could have given to us. That's why I wanted we wanted to sit here and appreciate the bubble for what it was because we don't get that. And we all love Damian Lillard before that, but we didn't get that kind of Damian Lillard moment without the bubble existing. Absolutely. So uh, uh, yeah, let me hop in right off the end there with Jimmy Butler. My one of my first favorite things from the bubble was Big Face Coffee and the uh, beginning of Big Face Coffee. I'm hoping that this becomes like a thing like i want it to be a brand and uh i go to walmart i can pick up some big face coffee for like 80 dollars a package yeah probably. i was gonna say you better be ready to empty your wallet <laughs> yeah it's gonna be after like a nice payday or something win the yeah. win, a, win a week out gambling or something to get the coffee because jimmy uh was not kind to the prices for the nba players but no. i wouldn't be either if, if i knew those dudes had that money yeah. uh, i would be making them pay whatever too but just jimmy butler in general like we were talking about um I want to call it the emergence, but I don't think it really is an emergence because I think that this dude has called his shot for the last couple of years and put himself in the same company as the greats in this league today. And now I don't think there's any way you can say that he's not a top eight guy, top 10 guy in the league. Um, Just the way that he carried himself throughout the bubble, put the heat on his back, really. Um, I mean, that was a great team effort from them, but their engine was Jimmy Butler and he just willed them to win some of those games, especially in the finals, that 40 point triple double. I mean, it, it was just immaculate. And no threes taken, like just the way that he was so aggressive and just the will to win was so impressive to see, especially in that environment. Like I wish I could have seen him at home in front of the Miami crowd in some of those games, but it was still fun to see those, the way that team reacted to the play big plays that he made. Um, so one of my other favorite things from the bubble we'll get this is honestly probably my favorite moment from the bubble in sports maybe in my lifetime I don't like just in general and it's not even a sports thing it was when the Bucks decided to sit out um, their game playoff game I think you and me can both agree that that going before this year that probably would have been the most unheard of thing that yeah. any team could have <laughs> I mean very worthy for the reasons that they did it and we've talked about that at length before. 
Um, but to sit out an NBA playoff game and not really know the ramifications and then the ramifications it ended up did having across all of sports. I mean, every sport sat out for days to try to figure out what they can do. Extremely powerful. <laughs> it was insane. I mean, I, I don't really have words to describe it, but just like how I felt was just like, it was inspiring to see those dudes like put that on the line with everything yeah, they had at stake being in that bubble and everything. It was just, uh, when I think of the bubble, I think that's the first thing I'll think of forever is just, it was, cause it's just such a wild, I mean, during a pandemic, just everything that's been going on, the, what they were there for and everything, like yeah. you have to give it all the proper context. And that was just the seminal moment besides the crowning of the NBA champion, which it's amazing. They even got to that point and were able to do the bubble but they had some amazing moments inside. And I think that was the one that really, really stuck out to me. Um, so moving on more back into basketball uh, topics here. I, the Kentucky players, the Kentucky guys showing out, Jamal Murray, Bam Adebayo, and Devin Booker, um, three guys who were stars in the league, I think had high standing. I think we expected a lot out of them as young guys, but all three of these guys really made the leap into superstardom in their own different ways. I mean, Devin Booker and the Suns going 8-0 in all their games, barely missing that play-in game. But we'll remember that Devin Booker shot over the Clippers, the buzzer beater. Hmm. And it was at, like the craziest part of the bubble is it was at like 4.30. I remember like sitting in my living room at 4 o'clock watching Devin Booker hit a buzzer beater. And it's just everything around the bubble, just craziness. That The fact that we were sitting there watching those games then. But I mean, he had that moment. Bam was just unreal for the Heat. Like, a, the biggest difference maker besides Jimmy Butler. You could tell that he wasn't the same in the finals, and who knows what kind of effect that had on them. But his emergence as basically, like, super Draymond Green is, yeah. is it's kind of unheard of. I mean, I expected him to be a great player in this league, a good player, the trajectory he was on. But I think that we put him in a different category now after the bubble and Jamal Murray, who I've, I'm not going to say that he was, I was the biggest fan of Jamal Murray uh, before the bubble. I don't think I was. I think he uh, was, you know, kind of in and out of games sometimes that uh, floated around, had some really bad games and big moments, but something about the bubble unlocked that guy. And he just had a flamethrower attached to his hip. <laughs> I mean, the whole game or the whole, whole time in the bubble. And, they gave the Lakers all they could ask for. And that guy was the engine behind that team. And Jokic might be the MVP candidate on that team and the stud because he's the big man. But Jamal Murray was impressive and he has earned his standing among the elite guards in the league. Um, and it got me thinking who has in a group of five who would win in a game, Kentucky or Duke players, just the thing of the college. And I'm not going to lie. It's not even like close, like Kentucky the starting fives I have, here's the starting fives I put together. This is, by all means, you could change these up, but these are the ones that I had. For Duke, the five best players I could f find, Tatum, J.J. Redick, Zion, Brandon Ingram, Marvin Bagley. That's not a bad start. That's a pretty good starting five. So. Yeah. But they're going up against Anthony Davis, Devin Booker, Jamal Murray, uh, who I, Bam, and I put Rondo in here just because why not have Rondo like in there? That. That you could put De'Aaron Fox, Jay Gilgis, any of those dudes. No matter what who it is, I think that the Kentucky team wins pretty handily. I agree that that Kentucky team would win. I'd probably take out Bagley for Austin Rivers or um, now oh Seth Curry. Yeah, just to have another guard. And I don't. I, I mean Bagley obviously still has potentially still a young talent, but I don't think. 
I'd put him in the top five. But yeah, I mean, when I I saw I saw this question in the notes earlier before before we hopped on the pod here, but um, I didn't know I didn't. That's a loaded question from just the way he wrote it down. I didn't know if we were talking like all time. I didn't know if we were yeah, talking no. like just just players in the NBA today. But I like that like a five best five on best five. That's that's the easiest way to break it down because that's like almost an impossible question to answer. Like who has the best NBA players, Kentucky or Duke? Like. Yeah, I was trying to look at it last night when I wrote it down. I was looking at it. I was like, all right, I just want to see guys in the NBA right now. And even that for Kentucky, it's just too many. Like, they have too Wait, many did you Did you have Kyrie in Duke? No. So Kyrie can go in for bag. Okay. I didn't even think about Kyrie. Yeah, yeah. Ky- I was going to say, I, I feel He's, like they're missing someone big. I still think even Kyrie in that line, it makes it closer. But Kentucky, uh, yeah, that's I pretty I can't believe dominant. I forgot Kyrie. That's really – I'm disappointed in myself. But, yeah, it's still – I still don't think it's – He I was mean, injured – if we go to the bench too, if we go to the bench, like you could have Shea Gilgis, De'Aaron Fox, um, Willie Cauley Stein, Carl Anthony Towns, Julius Randles coming off your bench for Kentucky. It's yeah, a Eric Tyler Lesko. Hero. <laughs> it's yeah. a loaded squad. Uh, That's Duke guys, Duke guys coming off the bench. You'd have Wendell Carter. It's not bad. R.J. Barrett still up in the air on that. Quinn Cook. Uh, Justice Winslow, so not as not as deep as a team, but still just these two schools just loaded, loaded with talent. Just produce um, talent. Uh, anyways, moving on. The last two I had. The first thing is Luka Doncic. Um, I mean, the dude put on a show in the first round and really throughout the entire bubble, but especially in the first round against the Clippers when we thought the Clippers were going to go on to do big things. Uh, Luka really kept them in that series and if Porzingis is in that series the whole time maybe we're talking even worse about the Clippers getting a first round exit to Luka but I think next year Luka kind of cemented himself as an MVP candidate and they might be a dark horse finals team from the west the new era Larry Bird (laughs) exactly dude's insane like just watching him I don't know how he does it. He doesn't look faster than everybody. He's not bigger than everybody, but he gets up any shot he ever wants. Um, and the last thing is, here's my my homer pick for the bubble, is LeBron winning his fourth ring. I, I put earning his respect because that's what he said. I, I think he's been – I think people saying that we take LeBron for granted, like overrate that a little bit. I don't think anybody's taking LeBron for granted anymore just because we argue about him and MJ. Like, I think people all... still do, but I think you're right. People people ride that, like, pity argument a little yeah. too much that, like, LeBron's undersold. It's like, well, there's just going to be haters for everyone. Like, Especially don't tell him. me. <laughs> yeah, like, if if Jordan's era, like, had social media like we do, there'd be the same people rashing Jordan. Like, but, yeah, no, I – I like I think that had to be in one of our top fives. Yeah. It's it was incredible just to see him at age thirty five putting up the numbers and performing the way he was in an NBA finals. It was just unreal. Um but yeah, like you said about Jordan, like if Jordan disappears for two years during social media and from basketball and retires out of nowhere, like everybody's roasting him for a year oh and a half. God, when he's yeah. playing baseball, you imagine the clips we'd see on Twitter of him striking out in baseball and just how much he'd get roasted for that. Like he I escaped like, a lot of it. I like weirdly somehow have a lot of like White Sox, like Twitter followers mm. or like White White Sox like fans or like, I don't know, people who are tweeting about the White Sox, somehow I follow them on Twitter <laughs> or they follow me through some 
avenue or another but i can't even imagine like what white Sox fans would have been saying if like jordan had been around and like possibly i i don't know it just would have been crazy like you said like jordan playing baseball going back to the sport like it just people people would have had a field day with that good and bad and i just yeah you can't jordan would have got rash too let's just say about that yeah you can't there's it's probably it's impossible to quantify it because we're it didn't happen like he wasn't on the internet then but come on like just we just got to put ourselves in our our put ourselves back 20 years and with a cell phone we everybody'd be doing the same exact damn things to jordan that we do to lebron and that's just how it is and we'll see how it goes in the future i'm sure luke is going to get that treatment at some point um any of these young guys zion already gets it he's, he's yeah. barely played a whole year and he already people are already calling him a bust and shit on twitter yeah, everyone's like, like zion sucks <laughs> it's just ridiculous. okay um, so let's go into uh, just a couple other things from the bubble. Let's uh, talk about this. This is a point that you brought up. What do you think about players who went off in the bubble? We talked about Jamal Murray going off, uh, Duncan Robinson, Devin Booker. Do you think that uh, do you think that when these guys get back in front of fans and they're back in kind of that kind of environment, or is their leap going to be sustained, or are they going to go back to what we thought they were? Like, what kind of what kind of effects do you think the environment of the bubble had on these guys? Yeah, I think I think there's definitely those guys who you mentioned, like the Murrays, the Mitchells, the Bookers. I still think that there's going to be an elevation in their game, and I still think there's going to be improvement, along with Tyler Harrow, maybe Duncan Robinson. Um, but those are guys who are, for the most part, pure shooters before anything else. And I definitely think there's such an advantage of playing in an empty gym in the same gym and with no fans for months at a time. Like there you're if you're a good enough shooter, if you're a good enough ball player, you're gonna get accustomed to that. And so where I think that their games made leaps in other places outside of shooting, I think that their shooting, these guys in particular, is their shooting is kind of what shocked everyone in the bubble. So I definitely think that there easily could be an improvement and maybe a, a vast improvement for a lot of these guys uh, moving forward, but I don't know if it's going to look the same that it did in Orlando. I just think some of the performances that happened, I just don't see those happening on the regular once um, games start being played in front of fans again. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think you put Jamal Murray in game one, game two on the road in at Staples Center for the Clippers and the Lakers series, it's going to be a different outcome than it was inside the bubble. And just any of those guys, when you're road, I've missed it. So that's the thing I've just missed the most about all every sport right now is just, you get those road games and you see it in football, especially right now, like a third down third and six, usually it's a crowd going absolutely bonkers quarterback trying to make signals that no one could hear anything. It's just so like, you're, it's just missing a huge factor. And you got guys going up for threes, and there's a twenty thousand people screaming at you. No matter, maybe it's not that big of a difference, but it's got to be a difference. There's definitely a difference for how those guys, um, you know, factor that into their performance. And I don't think it takes. I don't think it's anything about their toughness or anything, because being in the bubble in general was just such a. Obviously, they've and they've talked about it since everybody left the bubble. How much of a drain it was to just be there for all those months with everything going on right now. Um, 
but it's a different kind of, you know, mentality to be in front of a crowd, go on the road and win those games. And so I'll be interested to see, hopefully next time the playoffs roll around, we're going to have stadiums and fans there and everything. And these guys, I mean, like, especially for the Nuggets um, and the Heat and those teams that are expected to be back up there and be contending again this year, what are those guys going to do in those big pressure moments with people in the crowd? It'll be interesting. I don't think, I think that they did make the jump. I think that they are, all these guys are for real because they really got an off season to work on shit and become, get that time to work on things. And we've seen how guys make leaps from off from season to season, especially young guys. So I think that it's legit, but I just want to see what kind of in what these environments do to these guys, especially after they were in an environment that was so, I, I, I don't know what the right word is, but just not at like any other NBA environment they've ever been in before. Yeah. No, definitely well said. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's, I mean, only time will tell. Are these are ga- are games going to be happening in front of fans sooner rather than later? Or are we going to, you know, be able to see more of the same where the, the fans are exiled or they're – only a small number of them in there. It really, it's really going to depend on what next season looks like um, when everything's, you know, written in stone and finalized. But these guys for sure made a jump. I think the no fans helped them, but, you know, only time will tell for uh, what next season brings. For sure. So do you think we'll see another bubble situation in the NBA at all? Um, I don't think we will down the road i mean fingers crossed we went however many years since the nba has been a thing until now um without one and i mean unless there's another pandemic happening anytime (laughs) soon which hopefully not i'm sure everyone hopes not um then i i don't think we will but also i think if it's necessary for the restart of this season then i mean i think why not? Of course, if the players are are happy with that, um, which, it, I mean, it kind of all rides on them. You know, how much do they want next season? How much do they want to win next season for some of the teams and players in particular who already are starting next season in a good place? But um, would I be surprised if they do it again, maybe for the start of next season or just at some point in the near future? I wouldn't be uh you know years down the road i would be shocked if we see it again but at least we would know what to expect yeah i'm wondering if that like they've been talking about the mid-season tournament maybe doing that inside of a bubble next year if they're going to do something like that but yeah i just think it was such a complete undertaking to even try to get it done and like you said i'm i hope to god that we aren't in this position ever again where it's a necessity so um I'm happy that I wouldn't even say happy is the right word, but it was an interesting bubble experience and I'll remember it for the rest of my life. But it's one of those things where it's like, I appreciate it and I never want it to happen again because especially in those finals games, I really wish that game five, game six was in Staples center. And just, you just, it's just different when you imagine the stars that would have been lined up on court side for all that entire series in Miami yeah. and LA it's just the pad we were just missing like a certain pageantry that you get missed from the finals and the playoffs in general yeah I mean you're telling me I, there's there's just a few Celtics games in those playoffs <laughs> that I wish could have been played in the Boston Garden but uh 
alas <laughs> alas here we are um, so let's talk about a couple of the the guys on the uh on the championship winning lakers after the bubble uh jr smith he was not on a, on the roster before the bubble and he leaves the bubble winning his second nba championship um does this change anything for you about jr smith or is it uh same same thing with jr and we're just happy for him to go out and be a part of a winning team and get another ring um definitely happy for him uh, i love jr smith i mean it's kind of hard not to like this guy i guess That's if you're true. like if you're like an old school basketball fan and you think he's too much of a flashy guy or you know a bonehead for what he did uh in that game that probably some don't like to talk about who are lebron <laughs> fans and you know he f- forgot how much time was on the clock but um no i think i think i definitely like this for jr we saw shirtless jr once again this time a little a little earlier than people expected before they even got off the court jr had his had his tarp off if you will <laughs> um but i i don't know i i kind of expected jr smith to honestly play more in the playoffs once i saw that the lakers uh rostered him that was just my opinion i thought maybe he'd get more minutes for his shooting and just you know the trust that lebron james has in him um but yeah, I don't I don't really know what this does for the J.R. Smith legacy. That's what I kind of wanted to ask you and maybe even listeners if you guys want to tweet us about this. But like what does this mean for J.R.? Like he's a two-time champ now, but one being in a crazy <laughs> NBA season that ended in a bubble and him not really having much of an impact on this Los Angeles Lakers team. And uh yeah, I mean he's obviously been a, a a very solid player in this league for a long time now, but he does have two rings. So what does that mean for the J.R. Smith legacy? I think it helps uh, wash away the bad taste, at least for maybe not for Cavs fans, but for general LeBron fans and just in general about J.R. Smith. Like you said, that play, first of all, that play as bad as it was for J.R. It's George Hill. George Hill makes both free throws. They they're not even in the position, so I, yeah. I'm all, I'm always uh, one to blame. Jo- give George Hill his proper blame for that moment because fair I mean, enough. Jr. Whatever we, we that's been talked to to death, but you got to hit the free throw. Like if you look at George Hill, go wa- go back and watch him taking those free throws. He looks like he's so fucking terrified. <laughs> the last place he wants to be is standing at the free throw uh. line in that game. Um, but the fact that LeBron brings – I think it says a lot about JR as a teammate in general, the fact that LeBron would consider bringing that dude back in the playoffs knowing he might need to count on him after something like that. Yeah. Um, I think JR is going to be one of the most remembered and probably one of the best role players of our generation of basketball here. Um, just always had a, had a strap on him. It was on some great offensive teams on the Nuggets – on the Knicks before and then going to the Cavs. He was always a solid starter. And I think that uh super underrated dunker too. Yeah. Especially when he was younger. Like he, yeah. he I remember the highlights of JR when he was younger, he'd be like, oh man, like look at this guy. So his Knicks days, dude, he was throwing down like 360 alley oops like in game. <laughs> Which that's just the most JR thing to be that bold to be throwing that shit yeah. down in a game. But yeah, I think uh he definitely deserves a spot remembered as uh, one of the best role players of our generation. I like that. That that's where that's where JR, JR's legacy stands right now, folks. Um, 
like I said, if you have anything to add to that, please tweet at us or, you know, hit us up on any form of social media and let us know what you think about JR. Uh, moving along to another Los Angeles Laker who won his first ring. Does not have two like Mr. J.R. Smith. It is his first. It is Mr. Dwight Howard. Is Dwight Howard undoubtedly a Hall of Famer? Um, I'm, I think it's not even a question at this point. I think yeah. he was probably a Hall of Famer before the title even. Um, first of all, he was the best center in the league for at least five years during late, late 2000s, early 2010s. I mean, the dude was dominant. He was he he hit a Dwight Howard led team, which was not a great team around him. Beat a LeBron James led team. Let's put that into context. In the year 2020, you were I remember watching every game of that series. I couldn't believe it then, but that's how dominant that dude was. He was just too much of a problem for even a LeBron James team to take out in the finals. And finally, they I mean, the Lakers were just made to handle Dwight in that series with. Bynum and Powell and everything, but Dwight was the best guy on the floor in that series. And throughout that, those entire years, he was just dominant defensively, dominant rebounding. Um, just you couldn't stop him inside. Shot blocker. Game, shot blocker, yeah. Erased like anything that was thrown, like any like floater layups that were like thrown around Orlando Magic Dwight <laughs> were just gone in seconds. <laughs> The dunk contests, like those are like some of my best memories as a kid watching yeah. those dunk contests, the Superman, everything about it. Um, and basketball just changed on him. Like the game just moved to being smaller and spacing and it literally just phased out everything that he did to be effective. And he had a trouble adjusting to that because he was a superstar doing the things he was the way, the way that he did them. Um, so I think that the fact that he could turn to reinvent himself in 2020 and turn himself into a solid defensive player, solid rebounder, be able to guard, switch on the guards and maybe not guard them well, but at least be respectable. I don't think you ever would have thought about that five years ago from Dwight. So I, I think he's a hall of famer, um, probably first ballot hall of famer. The NBA hall of fame isn't great anyways. So that's part of the reason I think he's going to be in, but I think, (laughs) I think the dude had an extended run of dominance that we should remember him for. Yeah. I agree. I just want to uh, get your take on that. I know there's definitely some Dwight haters out there also. (laughs) Um, He's probably telling them all to kiss the ring right about now. But, yeah, Dwight Howard in my book and in your book, Hall of Famer. And, yeah. So, also, I want to ask you this. The Golden State Warriors, a team that – did not make it to the bubble because, you know, they weren't they were they weren't very good this year, which was a big surprise because they have been good for so many of the past like ten years or so it seems. But anyway, the yeah, Warriors banged up last season, but so they they weren't in the NBA bubble. What does a a healthy Golden State Warriors look like in this 2020 bubble? If you do it over, I mean, it doesn't matter who they replace. Whatever they're they're in there, doesn't matter what their seating like seating was, but they they have a, they have a shot at the playoffs. What does what does that look like to you in this bubble? I think I think no matter. I'll start it with this. I think no matter what happens, 
in the bubble, the Lakers are the champions. I think they were the best team mm-hmm. all year and had the two best players. But I think the Warriors are probably seeing them in the West Finals if they're not facing them earlier because of their eight seed or whatever seeding they were. Yeah. Um, we can't forget how good Steph Curry and Clay Thompson are. And I don't think people do, but we were just talking about the shooting earlier in the bubble for the for young guys. What are like you wrote it right down in here too? Like, what are what's Steph? And Clay gonna shoot in that environment where shooters were clearly benefited from the from the environment. Like Steph is probably just going bananas every game, and I don't know what you can do to stop either of those dudes if they're shooting fifty percent from three the whole series. They're not a deep team right now, and that might have been their issue. Is that their other positions they might just get dominated? And uh, yeah. we'll talk about it in a little bit too about coming up for next year the things that they need to do to uh to compete they really need a big guy to handle the lakers inside and just these other teams we saw what having a lack of size can do to you in the playoffs nowadays um so i think that really would have hurt them but i mean steph steph would have been out of his mind we would have been talking about what we were saying about dame we would have been doing the same exact thing for Steph. yeah i just think that steph and clay both like this like isn't an exaggeration like they could easily shoot 60% 60% from the floor, like, overall. And from three, like, like you have here, Steph probably would have shot 55% or over. Like, either one of them, I think, could have shot in the high 50s from three. You know, all things considered, with the performances we saw from other shooters in the bubble, you've just had these two shooters who are two of the best in the league, if not the two best in the league. And I just I just think it would have been bad news for every, everyone else in the Western Conference, you know, other than the Los Angeles Lakers. Like you mentioned, it would probably be them meeting up in the Western Conference Finals. But, yeah, I just think that, that was just a scary thought of mine <laughs> that I had. And uh, I'm sure a lot of other teams in the bubble are very glad that the, the Warriors were not there. And well, that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Uh, if, we're, if they're starting this and we'll get into the restart here in a minute, but they start the season soon without fans. You have to think maybe the bubble environment helped the shooting, but the no fans definitely helped shooting. So what are these guys going to do without on the road with no one screaming at their in empty gyms? Like, yeah, it might just be a field day for Stephen Clay. We'll see what, we'll see what happens in those big gyms when they're traveling and no fans, it's going to be interesting because we've seen in football, how the offenses are just exploding because the, they can communicate there's no there's no real home field advantage besides traveling you know the offense able to communicate whatever they need to before the plays and everything i think that kind of communication is going to only help offenses in the nba too i agree um so do you want to go into our impressive and disappointing teams here inside the bubble as we wrap up our bubble uh recap let's here? do it yeah all right let's start with our most disappointing because we'll start negative and finish positive um can you think of one team that we want to talk about it the los angeles clippers (laughs) Uh, come on down i'll let you i'll let you lead off on this because i think i've done enough roasting of the clippers on this podcast especially the star power the depth the play of the big men the shooters the defense the coaching that is no longer and there's been a coaching change now but it's just like Oh my God! What a just disturbing scene for the Clippers, their organization, their fan base. 
as as you mentioned it too, you know the the rashing that they gave Damian Lillard, and then only for them to get bounced from the playoffs yet again. And Paul George, your dude, just stinking it up as always in the playoffs. Um, I mean, the Clippers were just, you know, slightly better than a joke here <laughs> in, in the bubble, and. Um, and it only got worse. I mean, then, then all of a sudden the stories about the drama in the locker room happens afterwards and Kawhi is told to not be vocal enough, which, you know, people expected. But then Paul George tries to give like an inspiring speech after they already get eliminated, which we already talked about um, in past episodes. And that's kind of gets ignored by teammates. It's just... I mean, uh, the Clippers really ended in, like as a dumpster fire, and it was just it was disappointing. Just oodles of talent and really no result there. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there with the Clippers. Um, there's not much more to be said. It was I they got rid of Doc Rivers and hired Ty Lue. I don't know. I don't think that's their the beginning of their issues. Even uh, mm. we'll see what happens over the summer with. Montrez, who needs a contract, Lou will. I think all. I think I would be very surprised if this roster looks the same as it did coming into this year. I think they need some changes and some overhauls. Um, and we'll see that the stories coming out, like you said, that's the point that I was going to get to. The stories that came out after, especially about Kawhi and his leadership, and just it sounded like a team that was just disjointed and didn't know who was in charge. And when you have that kind of, you don't know who's in charge and who to go to you're really nowhere. Like you need to have some kind of hierarchy, some kind of leadership on your team. And there's just none in Clipperland, and they're pointing fingers at each other now. Um, Ty Lue says that it's going to be all good, that the guys are on the same page and they're ready to run it back. I will be waiting with bated breath to see how those Kawhi and Paul George, just as personalities as we know them, uh, try to turn this thing around because now they're just same old Clippers again. Like they got all the hype and they got all the respect this year because of Kawhi basically. And now they're back to same old Clippers like we're used to. And if Chris Paul gets traded to the Clippers, which I don't think that's very likely because I think that he would not want any part of that. But if somehow that happens, I don't know how that, I can't imagine Kawhi and Chris Paul or Paul George and Chris Paul getting along very well either. Um, Yeah, that'd be, that'd be weird. So we'll see what happens uh, with the Clippers, but we don't need to talk about, um, them disappointing us much anymore. Was there any other team that uh, jumped out to you that you expected a little bit more out of in the bubble? Yeah, I just feel like the Milwaukee Bucks is an easy one. Um, they just, I don't know, just to go out four ones in Miami Heat, and it, it looks, it looks better, I guess you could say, for the Bucks after you watched how good the Heat were after they they beat up on you, but. I mean, I don't know if that, you know, gives them a, a pass or anything for how bad that they looked in that Heat series. At least you lost to a team who went to the NBA Finals. But, I mean, come on. They just the, – the year that they were having before the bubble, um, Giannis s- surrounded by not the best shooting, but, I mean, middle, having guys like Middleton and Corver who can really knock it down – and then having, a, you know, a good interior presence. And then, I don't know, they just they just did not look like their selves, like they are playing in the regular season. And um, 
they have the MVP of the league in Giannis, and it just – I mean, that's got to be disappointing also if we talk about, again, like similar to the Clippers organization, players, fan base, whatever it is. I mean, I just think the Bucks were disappointing in the bubble. Yeah, I'm with you there 100%. Uh, the team that I was disappointed in, and I don't even know if disappointed is the right word, but I did pick them to go to the NBA Finals at the beginning of the year, so I guess a little <laughs> disappointed. Uh, the Sixers, just the not even just the just the implosion itself, and the Simmons injury really screwed them, I think, too. But just the the fact that we expected the implosion and it came exactly how we expected. Mm. This team's got to do some serious soul searching to figure out what they're going to be going forward. I don't know what they can even do going forward. That they're the way that their roster set up, it's almost damn near impossible. I don't know, think Doc Rivers is really the fix for them. Um, maybe he gets more out of Embiid, more out of Simmons. I don't know if those dudes can effectively play together. It still remains to be seen, I think, but they're going to keep rolling forward with it. It looks like. Um, if there is a Simmons trade in a couple weeks, I think that's kind of what they should explore because that city is not going to – the city of Philadelphia would lose their minds if they traded Embiid. I don't think that's even a possibility. And we saw the Embiid to Houston rumors a little bit to start a little bit, and they kind of fizzled out right away because I think it's Philly. There's no way they're getting rid of Embiid. But if Simmons gets moved, I wouldn't be as surprised. But I think they're going to roll it back with this team and uh, – We'll just see. There's there's too much talent. Those two dudes have too much talent to keep underperforming like this. Um, yeah. But they're in a tough spot and in, in a very tough division and a tough conference at the top of that conference. And we'll get to our favorites and our teams that we're looking ahead to next year in a little bit. But I don't know if they can even belong in like the top eight, top nine of those teams. And it's going to be hard to break through. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, Clippers, Bucks, and a dash of Sixers for our <laughs> for our disappointing teams. Maybe uh, I mean some of these, some of our teams that we have for the ones who impressed us are probably similar to most of the people um, who were watching throughout these playoffs, or just the bubble in general. Um, I'm sure they sh- share similar. Uh, thoughts with us on who impressed but you know maybe we can go through this this list of teams semi quickly the Lakers you know obviously uh you, you put in here that you know like they they got they were getting their roster trashed at points didn't have enough depth Alex Caruso in particular you know him getting serious minutes well I mean Caruso was pretty pretty stellar as far as role players go in, in the playoffs and you know, all, all the guys stepped up. Rondo, Dwight, who we already mentioned, um, Kyle Kuzma, and Danny Green. They didn't have maybe what the Lakers fans expected out of them, but they st- they still got the job done. KCP came out of nowhere and dug his way out of his own slump. And, uh, yeah, the Lakers for sure impressed. I mean, NBA champions. Yep, they, they had the same mission all year long. They complete, like, from start to finish were the best – team in the West and best one of the best teams in the league and just finished it off strong. Uh, I think another team that really impressed me, and we talked about it earlier, so like you said, we don't have to go too, too deep into it, but the Nuggets, uh, Jamal Murray making the leap into the upper echelon of guards in the league. Jokic was damn near unstoppable for large parts of the playoffs in the bubble. Um, mm-hmm. I think we just think of the Nuggets differently now than we did uh, before the bubble. 
Yeah, for sure. And uh, we also, you know, the Heat, who we, we spent a uh, a good amount of time on earlier, just Jimmy is for real now. Jimmy Butler is for real. Contrary to belief, he, he's been believing in himself for a while now, and he he showed all the all the haters and anyone who doubted him that they were probably wrong up until this point. And now, as you mentioned, he finds himself, you know, you're looking at Jimmy in the top 10 of talents in the league as of right now. And uh, you have a an interesting note here that they might also get Giannis. So the people who impress might get even more impressive <laughs> coming next season. But yeah, that's that's been a rumor that's been tossed around and that would be ridiculous and scary for my Boston Celtics. <laughs> but maybe for your Boston Celtics, it'll work out better because another team that's in the running for Giannis next year is the Dallas Mavericks. And it's because of Luka Doncic, who we talked about earlier, mm. uh, MVP candidate next year. They're a dark horse title contender, especially if they make a move. I don't think this is the year they're going to make a move because I think that they want to put Giannis with Luca if they can. He's one of the three. That's one of the three teams that keeps coming up when they talk about Giannis. Um, and Giannis and Luca together would I, I, that just be damn near unstoppable? I don't know what you would do against those two, especially they're so young, just going into their primes like that. We'll see. But if the Mavs are, and who knows? I mean. We're going to find out a lot about Giannis in the coming weeks, especially once they offer him that Supermax. He's gonna, mm. I don't think he's, he's not going to accept it. I don't imagine that he is. If he does, then we're not talking about where he's going to go next year, obviously. But I don't think that they're going to trade him. They're not going to, I don't think Giannis is getting traded. I think he's going to run it back with the Bucs this whole year, and they're going to try to win a title. And the Bucs are definitely out there ready to make some moves too. But um, the Mavs, they – it's all there for them. They're, they could run back with this roster next year, and they might be a top three team in the West just because Luca's made that jump. Yeah. No doubt. And you uh, – speaking of making a jump, you got to mention Devin Booker, although he couldn't get the, the whole Suns team to do it with him. I mean, he was just something else, you know, playing in the seeding games and – did literally everything he could for the Suns to make the playoffs, but they were unable to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, Devin Bucker just improves yearly and um, makes larger and larger leaps every year, it seems. Improves the shooting, his playmaking. You know, Devin Bucker dunks on guys. He's got underrated bounce also. Um yeah, I mean, the the Suns impressed as a whole, but I think a lot of that does go to Devin Booker. Yeah, that's, I mean, they didn't make, like we said, they didn't make the playoffs or anything, but Book definitely, we, there was a lot of questions about what that team wanted and what they what they expected out of them, and I think that they should prove that they can uh, be in the discussion as a play. I think every team in the West basically is going to think that they can make the playoffs next year, but the Suns are definitely one of those teams that, uh, people are going to be talking about coming into the year. So, all right, do you want to go – do you want to talk about players or do you want to do that, save that for the video thing at the end and we can kind of go into that next episode too. We can do like free agent moves or something like that and then we can, yeah. just, we can just do our favorites right now. It's up to you. Yeah, I feel like – yeah, it's getting pretty lengthy right now. I feel like we should just do like favorites and then everything else can just be like video, like 
stuff. Yeah. So let's just do the let's finish with the favorites. Um yeah, and then we'll just do we can do this thing about we can do stand van, the bubble MVPs and moves we expect over the summer. We'll do three one minute things for the video. Sound okay. good? Yeah. All right. So three, two, one. All right. And to wrap up today's podcast, we just wanted to go through with our pre free agency pre draft favorites for the NBA championship next year um, to go through a little bit about what, when we should expect basketball to be back. We've seen a bunch of reports this week. Um, and currently right now it's looking like the NBA is looking to start on December 22nd, a couple days before Christmas, so they can have their big Christmas day games without fans. And then whenever they can get fans in the arenas, they're going to get fans in there, but they want to get this season started as soon as they possibly can to make sure that next season, when they have the full season with fans, that they can keep basically the integrity of that season and do what they need to do to get a full season in next year. Because uh, the summer NBA ratings were not kind <laughs> to the NBA. It just turns out, they, and that's something they had thought about, was maybe we could push our season back and go into the summer. But I think even if you find out, even during a pandemic, people aren't really watching TV during the summer. The NBA kind of wants to keep their schedule the same. Um, was that just quick? Was that surprising to you that the ratings were so down, especially even during a pandemic? Because I figured people would be all over watching basketball all day, every day. But it just looks like in the summer, people are just doing different things and just don't want to sit in front of their TVs. Yeah, I mean, it didn't. It surprised me like slightly, but then when you think about it, like not really, just because the times of the games. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, people. Not everyone, of course, there's still many people out of work and, you know, the pandemic is not kind for that reason and a lot of different reasons, but um, there are people who were getting back to work at that time and, you know, some of these games are at 1pm, 4.30pm, as you mentioned earlier, for some of them and just, I feel like timing and also, as you mentioned, just summertime, warm weather, people had vacations planned if they didn't get ruined. Um, from the pandemic or whatever. But yeah, I, I think it was a little surprising, but also at the same time, it kind of makes sense. For sure. Yeah. I, I'm with you on that. I just, I, I think it shocked the NBA to see that though. I think that they yeah. kind of expected that no matter what their, their product was going to translate over and it just didn't. So they're going to try to keep it rolling the same way. And uh, it'll be nice to, as much as I loved watching it during the summer, it was really weird watching NBA finals games next to football games. Yeah. It'll be nice to see an NBA finals game, hopefully with people there at, in June and just kind of get back to some normalcy with that schedule and then give us the proper off season and everything. Cause right now the off season, like I couldn't even tell you when the draft and the free agency start. I know that that date, those dates are set right now, but just everything's so jumbled up. It's it's just a whirlwind right now. If they're yeah. starting in less than two months, too, whew, it's going to be tough for those guys. But <laughs> we'll see what happens. Anyways, let's move into our uh, our favorites to win the championship next year. Donnie, you want to give me your top five? Yeah, so my top five is uh, Lakers, which probably not a surprise to most. But mm -hmm. my number two is the Warriors. There it is. And this may be a surprise to some. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Steve Kerr, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, all healthy. Still think they have a very good chance of, you know, making a deep playoff run and just getting back to their old ways. And I think with that core alone, they could make something happen. I also wouldn't be surprised to see the Warriors make a move 
within these next few months during the beginning of the season, mid-season before the trade deadline, whatever it is, um, I don't think that's out of the question at all. And, yeah, you, I mean, you just can't sleep on these teams. This, they're, they're a dynasty for a reason, and uh, the Golden State Warriors are in there for me. The Celtics, just because I would, you know, be kind of silly <laughs> to not put them in here talent-wise and just because how much of a diehard fan I am. Um, I mean, Celtics were – could almost smell the finals this year. They had a few crazy games that didn't go their way. Bam, out of bio's block. That changed the series. Um, they're really close, and they are that close, and I, I believe they'll be back in a similar spot next year, if not go further. Um, the Miami Heat, got to give credit where credit's due. Great shooters. Jimmy Butler is insane. Bam, out of bio is on the rise. Tyler Harrow's on the rise. They could be adding Giannis in the near future, as we mentioned. <laughs> so um, definitely one of my favorites. And then the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, talent alone, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, if they're both healthy, then, you know, watch out Eastern Conference. Yeah, I'm, w- I'm with you on most of these teams here, too. I think we're pretty much on the same page. I did have the Warriors in my next up list. Um, yeah. They've got a move to make. They've got a number two pick. We'll see if they draft somebody there um, for the future and try to, you know, bridge the gap between Steph and Clay and whatever their next moves are going to be. Or if they move it for a more established star like a Bradley Beal, maybe, who, um, or somebody along those lines, Victor Oladipo, something like that to win now. Um, mm-hmm. But they're an interesting team. And like you said, even without, regardless of what they do, they've got Steph and Clay healthy. And that's more than enough to be a contender in the in the NBA as we've seen the last couple of years. Um the other team but they weren't in my top five. My top five, the Lakers, obviously. Um LeBron James, Anthony Davis, that's all you really need to know about them. They're gonna be back and they're gonna be a force to reckon with in the West. Um I had the Celtics as my number two team. Uh I, I don't Love know if that. yours is in order, but this is mine was I tried to put it in my order. I think that I loved everything I saw from the Celtics all year long and they're just a young team growing together. And the thing I worry about is Kemba Walker's health and his effectiveness over the next couple of years. But this team is going to transition. It's not even transitioning. It's Jason Tatum's team. And yeah. I think he still has a couple leaps to make. And I think Jalen Brown. Which is scary. It is scary. And they think that Jalen Brown is still has some leaps to make, too, as alongside of him. And I think when you've got a team that's been together and through the wars that they've been through already like they've been through it now they played LeBron in the East Finals before they ever even should have last year they they're gonna have a terrible taste in their mouth from this year's finals uh East Finals knowing that they missed an opportunity to go to the finals this year um so I think that that's a team that I don't know if people are gonna be picking them to win the East when you've got like the Nets and the Bucks and other team and the Heat other teams like that but I wouldn't be surprised if we're around January, February, and the Celtics are first first place in the East, and everybody's like, "Oh man, like how is they're gonna have home court and everything?" Well, it's because these dudes have been together for years, and mm. they're hung they're gonna be hungrier than they ever were before. Um, I have the Brooklyn Nets third, just because, like you said, the talent is just I I can't wait to see what these two Durant and Kyrie do on the floor together. Yeah. Um, I think honestly they're the only two people that could probably stand each other for long enough to be on a team this long because everybody's gotten tired of both of them or they've gotten tired of everybody else. But listening to them in interviews together and just talk together, it seems like they have a genuine connection and can kind of hold each other both accountable, which is really what they both need 
and I think the basketball could be beautiful between those two. I mean, the pick, I mean, the pick and roll possibilities of Kevin Durant setting a screen for Kyrie Irving is just unfair. And they might have another move too. I mean, even if they just add those two to the roster they have now, it's it's going to be pretty scary. But I think that you know the big cliche thing is there's only one ball but really for that team like we've seen how Dinwiddie gets when he's not getting his touches like some of those guys when they're not getting touches aren't happy and I think that they're going to move some of those pieces and try to maybe not get another star maybe they won't get Brad Beal or you know somebody along those lines but another solid starter player that is an improvement for their roster I think is definitely going to be in the works and uh I don't expect a big drop off for Durant and hopefully if, as long as Kyrie can stay healthy, they're going to be a scary team in the East. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the Denver Nuggets fourth because I think that Jokic is going to be an MVP candidate again next year. I think that's just the point he's at in his career and maybe Jamal Murray won't be if he keeps making the leap that he's made. We've yeah. seen the way he can fill it up and if he can keep that throughout a whole year and they're same thing as the Celtics. They've, they went through wars the last two years got their heart broken by Portland two years ago in a game seven um, powered through the Clippers this year. And that was huge for them. And then, you know, losing to the Lakers there, they they can taste it now. So I'm expecting big things for the Nuggets next year. And then the Milwaukee Bucks, <laughs> because they were the best team in the league all year long, best record. And again, disappointed in the NBA playoffs and what really I'll want to check in after free agency and see what kind of moves they make to help out Giannis and see what Giannis decides to do too, if he's going to stay long-term or if this is going to be the last year for them. All the pressure is on the Bucks, though, to, to repeat what they do and go win a title in the East. So I think besides the Lakers and Celtics and Nets and Warriors, those teams I think there's going to be a lot of attention on all year long. The Bucks are right there because the Giannis factor is just so overwhelming for them. Yeah, I think, uh, in my humble opinion, I think we both have pretty, pretty good, pretty good list there. I appreciated how high you put the Boston Celtics <laughs> on yours, of course. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm excited to even see the, you know, the progress up to the NBA championship next year. I'm excited that basketball is closer rather than far, further away. So. Definitely excited for next season. Would you do Gordon Hayward for Al Horford right now? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, just want, I've I've been hearing I'm not even seeing rumors about it. I've just I've heard people talk about it on podcasts, and I know Al's got a couple more years, but maybe no. maybe that's what he needs. No, <laughs> okay, fair enough. No, thank you. <laughs> no, no, Al I love Big Al. Don't get me wrong. Big Al got a lot of hate from Boston fans when he was in Boston, yeah. uh, underperforming or whatever. But I, I thought he was honestly a perfect fit from when him and IT were playing together. But I do not, especially seeing what he did <laughs> on the Clippers. Um, I mean, the Sixers, excuse me. But I, yeah, I don't, I don't really want any part in Big Al anymore. <laughs> Fair enough. I was just wondering off the top of my head uh, if that was something they're looking for. Because I think that's the only thing the Celtics need is a big, some kind of big. To yeah. I mean, Tice, I love Tice. I think he's a great player, but I think that's where they got hurt against the, the Heat. But, um, but yeah, so that's our top five. Um, thank you for listening to this Bubble Recap podcast. Yes. Be on the lookout for more stuff coming from us over the offseason. I think uh, 
next episode or one of the next episodes, we're going to go through our deals that we want to see uh, before free agency and before the draft. Um, and just be on the lookout. There's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of stuff coming from us coming up soon on a bunch of different platforms and we'll keep you guys updated but we thank you for all the support right now yeah we're also just recently on tiktok so for those young listeners and hip tiktok users (laughs) um you can find us there same tag i believe at happy hour hoops one um so yeah that's some something to think about if you like following our other socials yeah, just keep an eye out for it. We're going to keep coming at you with stuff uh, throughout the whole offseason. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to this on Spotify and Apple. Give us a review on Apple and follow us on all social medias, including TikTok at Happy Hour Hoops One. And uh, enjoy, enjoy your week, guys. Thanks.